Welcome to the Talk to Your Pharmacist podcast. We're dispensing stories of success from across the continuum of care. I'm your host, Hillary Blackburn. Thanks for joining us to learn from leaders throughout the pharmacy industry. Hey, listeners, are you still confused about what's happening with DSCSA or the Drug Supply Chain and Security Act? Well, tune into this episode to hear what transformation is happening in the pharmaceutical supply chain, why is it important for patients and pharmacists, and what are some of the requirements for pharmacies. Stay tuned with Mark Karhoff of 10 Count Consulting. But before we get into the episode, I want to remind you that my book is now available on Amazon. Go check out how pharmacists lead answers from women who are leading, succeeding, and impacting pharmacy. It's a great book dedicated to women in pharmacy leadership. All right. So today on the Talk to Your Pharmacist podcast, we have a special guest, Mark Karhoff who is the founder and CEO of 10 Count Consulting, which is a healthcare supply chain consulting firm based in Chicago. He founded uh, the 10 Count Consulting in 2013 to help manufacturers two dispensers meet the DSCSA or Drug Supply Chain and Security Act and other track and trace compliance uh, issues while building a foundation for transformations from scientists to pharmacists. Mark and his brother, Mike, have over 45 years of experience in manufacturing and supply chain and have successfully completed over 50 transformative projects with clients around the world in various industries, including pharmaceutical. Born and raised in Northwest Ohio, and he graduated from the Ohio State University with a degree in supply chain and logistics. And he served as an associate board member with Year Up and Grip Chicago and works with these and other young adult uh, development not-for-profits as a volunteer. Mark, welcome to the Talk to Your Pharmacist podcast. Thanks, Hillary. I'm glad to be here. I'm a big fan, so happy to talk to you. Well, thank you. And now that our listeners have heard just a little bit about your background, maybe you can fill in any gaps from that intro or share a little bit more about your personal life. Sure. Thanks. Um, yeah, so I live, uh, live in Chicago, married, no kids. Uh, we have a, a little dog that we treat like a kid sometimes, <laughs> but, mm-hmm. uh, I've been here for about 20 years and, uh, yeah, I've uh, really enjoyed your show. It's been helpful for me as, you know, I'm sure we'll talk about a bit. I came from other industries and have had to learn, you know, the pharma industry really over the last 10 years. And so it's been good the last few years that I've gotten really more engaged with the pharmacist side. So, you know, listening to your show has been great to kind of understand what's going on and some of the things that pharmacists care about. Awesome. Well, thank you. Uh, we do have a variety of guests and kind of hit all over the spectrum. Um, and um, yeah, so exactly. Pharmacists are in all different areas of, of healthcare. Um, you know, not just the dip- dispensing side, which a lot of people try to kind of pigeonhole pharmacists into. But um, like, for instance, I'm uh, working at a wholesale distributor and uh, you've got pharmacists in, in pharmaceutical companies all across the board. So 
Um, yes. And um, very timely for you to see the need in 2013 when that legislation was passed, um, the Drug Supply Chain and Security Act. And for for those who maybe do not know what that is, what is like a short, quick summary of what that law is? You have to say short and quick for the Drug Supply Chain and Security Act. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it's basically the Drug Supply Chain and Security Act was a law passed to, over the course of 10 years, enact the serialization of prescription drugs on the sellable unit. So it's basically the, market, the marketing packet. Uh, that you see, you know, usually the carton that the bottle comes in, um, and it essentially puts a serial, a unique serial number on each one that has to be tracked, uh, up, rolling up until 2023, all the way from the manufacturer to, I think of it as kind of like the receiving dock of the pharmacies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, and it's it's interesting because. Um, I love hearing the story of we could do that with food. So, you know, if you got a bag of lettuce at Kroger and um, you could trace that all the way back to whichever farm that lettuce was grown in in Arizona. But within the drug industry, we didn't have that capability, which is just shocking to me. So um, just, yeah, and, and a little bit of the background is that the policymakers decided to put in that legislation after, you know, seeing some of the um, the compounding um, issues up in the Northeast when um, there was uh, some, some product uh, that was, um, you know, not ad- adulterated and basically had um, some, I think it was either a, a fungal uh infection in there and uh, people died. And so when people die and there's a big deal, then usually there's some, some laws that are made after that. Um, so yes, it, it, it has impacted the entire supply chain, as you mentioned, from when a patient picks up the, the prescription at the pharmacy all the way back um, to the manufacturer. And um, yeah, so so, which is a good thing. I mean, I think it is important to be able to um, move forward. And there is a lot of different solutions on how we were going to come to that. So maybe you could tell us a little bit more about, you know, where um, where the pharmaceutical industry has kind of been and then where you see it going with um, this transformation that is um being caused, uh, of course, by uh, this DSCSA uh, law. Sure. There's definitely a lot of things going on, and um, the, the law itself is very specific on the manufacturer side, and that manufacturers know they have to put a serial barcode on the box and that they have to track the data related to where those serial numbers are sold. It's really kind of an ownership tracking model, mm-hmm. um, and it continues as it's going through the supply chain. Now, where the law is a little bit kind of, I say, vague by design is as you get closer to the pharmacy, there really isn't a lot written in as far as what has to happen at the pharmacy. It basically kind of says, you know, you need to track the product all the way, you know, to to the final owner of the product. So whether that's a, you know, family pharmacy or it's a retail pharmacy or a hospital pharmacy. Um, and then, the dispensing itself is not part of the law. So I think the lawmakers, it's it's a pretty well-designed law in that they understood from the conversations in the 
uh, the, the, the pharmacy trade groups that were involved, that getting all the way to the point of actual dispensing is another sort of level that hopefully one day will happen. But the law essentially says, hey, if we can keep the supply chain safe and make sure that safe drugs are making it to the pharmacy, that that basically helps ensure that a lot of the challenges that happened along, you know, with compounding, like you mentioned, um, there's also been problems with, you know, sort of secondary wholesaler, secondary markets, especially um, on products that are in hot demand. So essentially, it's trying to sort of plug those holes in the supply chain uh, by being able to track those things. And the law calls for the use calls for the use of a of a 2D data matrix barcode. So it's like a square barcode that embedded that has embedded in it certain information, which is the it's called the global trade identification number, which is kind of the NDC number with some additional things in it. Um, the a serial number the lot number is encoded, and then also the expiry date. So I think one of the big benefits that pharmacists can be thinking about and uh, even doctors and others is that now you're actually with this new barcode and, and the, the new scanner technology able to scan and, and receive all that information electronically so that the hope is that you can start to get away from a lot of the manual data entry uh, and things that happen today. So, so I think there's a framework there. And I think what needs to still happen is there is now trade groups going on and discussions going on in, in industry groups around the last part of the law, which is for 2023, for everybody that's a part of the supply chain to act in an interoperable fashion and share data, especially in the event of suspect or you know dangerous products so that the FDA and other you know, state and federal agents can see quickly, they're saying in near real time, uh, to be able to see where a particular serial number kind of came from so that they can trace it back to its origin. Mm -hmm. So a lot of potential with it, and hopefully it, it's going to make the supply chain a lot safer. But then I think there's a lot of breakthrough uh, sort of things that can happen around this, uh, hopefully for pharmacists and everybody in the whole supply chain. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it, it is helpful that they give plenty of time. So the law was passed in 2013 and there were, there was, you know, at least 10 years to um, implement, but, and it was in phases. However, there've been a, a little bit of some, um, I guess, requested pauses or de deferences to um, push back uh, the implementation. And then of course, 2020, the COVID pandemic hits. Um, so what, you know, what's the latest? Um, is there, you know, uh, there were a few requirements that were coming down for the pharmacies uh, this yeah. month in 2020. Is that still in effect or is there um, any, was that pushed back? Where are we now with um, implementation? Sure. So there definitely was a lot of concern around the dispensers. Really big first requirement was going to be November 27th of this year, 2020. And the FDA obviously heard from trade groups and a lot of pharmacy sides, but also others in the supply chain saying, you know, with everything going on with COVID and there has also been delays in prior sort of cascading deadlines around what the manufacturer and wholesalers need to do. So mm -hmm. um, they did go in and uh, decide they recently announced an enforcement delay that essentially gives three more years for probably the more difficult part 
of uh, the requirements for pharmacies uh, for the what they call the dispenser side. Um, there still is some requirements though, and I think that's the important thing for people to be aware of is um, you you already have to have a process in place to be able to in the event that you have suspicious product be being able to quarantine it, investigate it with the manufacturer, and, and then work with them to disposition it. Um, so that should already be happening. Um, you should uh, already have a way to capture lot level information. Um, so typically what I've heard most dispensers are doing is at that point where they're receiving from maybe their wholesaler, uh, they're keeping either paper or electronic documents to show uh, what lots came in um, so that they have the visibility of when different lots came in, uh, you know, different quantities of lots. Mm -hmm. um, and then the probably the more involved one that's still left is the uh, only transact in serialized product, but there is a little bit of a catch to it in that there are grandfathering grandfathering and exemption allowances. So basically what most dispensers are doing from all the trade groups that I've been in is they're, you know, looking to see, okay, what serial, what product is coming in that does not have a serial number on it. And then working with the manufacturers involved to understand if that's already, if it's grandfathered, meaning it was packaged uh, prior to 2018, the end of 2018, uh, or if it has an exemption, there are some products that are called out specifically in the law that are not required to be serialized and, um, and companies are allowed to, manufacturers can ask for exemption in certain situations, like if the barcode will not fit in the product and some other things. So I think the important thing is to have conversations with, uh, you know, both your wholesalers, because they have a lot of great information on their websites, but also with the manufacturers of the product, if you do not see uh, that square 2D barcode that you should now be seeing on most of the products. Mm -hmm. So, Mark, kind of pan a little bit further back. Why is it most important for patients and pharmacists um, that to follow these new regulations, and and why does it matter for them? Yeah, I think it's a great question. There's I think of it in a couple different, I guess, maybe two different ways. One is for compliance standpoint, you know, obviously it's required, but the reason it's required is there is direct benefit to quickly identifying suspect product. So in the event that you get a suspicious looking product, uh, you're able to already today uh, call a manufacturer and say, hey, I want to verify that this product's authentic. And if you um, if you keep the original box, and this is an important thing to think about, is if you're getting from a new supplier or you have a new product that doesn't look quite right, definitely hold on to that outer box that has the square barcode on it. Um, and if you call typically the product complaint number or look to the manufacturer's website, you can call them and verify that, that GTIN number and serial number. So they'll actually tell you if those numbers are authentic. Um, and if they're not, you know, then it, essentially it will, it will prompt them to start you know, an investigation. Um, so it's really powerful because if, let's say, a, a bad actor comes in and starts to counterfeit serial numbers, um, number one, it's it's tough for them to figure out the serial number sequences that the manufacturers are using because it's up to 21 digits long and it's randomized. So it's sort of like, you know, guessing a long password. Um, and then if they are able to, you know, somehow duplicate serial numbers, 
it gives real clear visibility to where that serial number came from so that you can go back basically and say, you know, okay, I want to see from the wholesaler where did it come from and then where did the wholesaler get it from um, so that the officials can pretty quickly see, you know, where is the source of this problem. You know, back in the 90s when a lot of this stuff was really happening, there were some cancer drugs. Uh, Vasin was the one that got a lot of, a lot of news um, because uh, there was some product that was, they think, packaged in Turkey that made its way in um, through some online sales, I think, and eventually ended up in legitimate supply chain. And it, it took them a while to kind of figure out where this stuff was coming from and where it had gone. And it was starting to show up in different places. So now with serial number, you've got pretty clear visibility right away. Where is that serial number coming from? And then that empowers the investigator, because if I know the serial number came in from this particular importer, I can go right to their records and see every single serial number they've touched. And now I can see, you know, a pretty clear snapshot of where things are, are coming from and going to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So speaking of counterfeit drugs, um, that is obviously a concern. Um, and, you know, we, we don't have to go into, you know, bringing in drugs from other countries or other places and things or, or mailing them or this or that, but, um, what are some of the most, um, you know, like kind of concerns around counterfeit products and what do you kind of see looking in the future, um, that we might need to be concerned about? I think the, the good news is that in the U S it's a pretty secure supply chain for the legitimate supply chain. So when you think about, Hey, if I go to my pharmacy or I go to my hospital, you know, those, those sources are pretty well protected and there's good records. And now this makes it even sort of more concrete that it's almost, it becomes almost impossible to, to get fake product in. Um, what is really increasing is the, um, you know, the sort of black market. So online pharmacies that can, mm-hmm. you know, be in different locations. And um, sometimes it's confusing for patients who think that they may be ordering something legitimate when they're not. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's why it's really important to always, you know, really trust your, uh, your, your local pharmacist, whether it's, you know, a family, a retail center or a hospital, um, because that's the one way you know that you're getting safe product. Um, so, mm-hmm. and then I think the other thing that to me, that's probably the most exciting about all this, cause I'm sort of a, you know, a process improvement guy is that I think there's a lot of potential for really creating a lot of efficiencies in the whole supply chain, because at the end of the day, the pharmacists today, you know, out of all the visits that I've done to pharmacies and discussions I've had, you really see a lot of pharmacists are doing very heavy supply chain things that are very manual. They don't think about it that way, but when I'm keeping inventory, when I'm, you know, figuring out what I need to order, when I'm, you know, typing in numbers and, and, you know, taking care of data, uh, all those things are supply chain functions. And there's already solutions in other industries and even upstream in this industry where that stuff can be automated so that the information starts to flow. And a lot of the focus, hopefully, you know, not only for the pharmacists, but also for healthcare providers becomes more, okay, let's focus on the patient and not, you know, on the data entry being a data clerk. That's, that's the unfortunate thing I think with the U.S. market is that because of the sort of complexity that you have, especially on the payment side, um, it's created a lot of, you know, additional work for healthcare providers that hopefully some of these things happening will actually start to spark 
some efficiencies to finally come through. Mm -hmm. So Mark, with your consulting, are you working with pharmacies, manufacturers? Um, what, what types of organizations, um, would you say are in your wheelhouse? Sure. Most of our work has been, so far has been on the manufacturer side up until about, I'd say a year and a half ago or so, uh, we started working more with the dispenser, repackagers and then dispensers now. Um, The wholesalers, I mean, in the U.S. market, obviously you have the big three and the wholesalers generally, they're pretty good supply chain people. That's what they typically, that's their core strength. Um, so most of them have their own teams that are doing the serialization stuff. So, mm-hmm. so we've been helping manufacturers a lot, figure out how to get the barcode on the box, how to create the data and share the data. And now we're, the exciting part is we're starting to work more with the pharmacy side, um, you know, hospital systems and retail pharmacies to help them understand what they need to do to be compliant, but then to look at what is this now, you know, enabling um, and, you know, just to name a few things, um, with these new, with this new barcode, there's a lot of, a lot more functionality that becomes possible as you sort of implement the systems and the hardware for it. Um, for example, you're able to start linking to manufacture product websites as I scan product to see digital inserts so that I don't have to necessarily hunt down the paper insert or I can reprint the insert. Um, I'm able to link to manufacturers recall notices, uh, either at the FDA or through their uh, updating statuses as this thing builds out. Um, and I'm able to directly start tracking uh, temperature uh, events. So if you think about you know, cold chain product, which is a big growing sector um, in the pharma space, um, one of the biggest challenges you have is that it's right now it's very tough to keep track of how long something was out of the refrigerator and when is it, when is it becoming you know ineffective based on what the manufacturer says as far mm-hmm. as how long it can be out of the fridge. Right. But now that I'm tracking a serial number, I can start to capture data points to be able to see how long a particular serial number has been out of the refrigerator, so that hmm. I can even build alerts and and not have to throw away good product, which Unfortunately, I think happens a lot today just because of mm-hmm. lack of visibility. Yeah. I mean, and I'm sure that the specialty um, market right there, I mean, you've got high cost medications that, you know, you want to make sure that they are staying within that um, temperature controlled um, environment that they're supposed to be in and that they're, you know, if they're going direct to patient um, which a lot of these are, you know, maybe shipped directly to the patient or they're having to go to a specialty pharmacy. Um, man, I bet that segment of, uh, the industry is just really excited about the, um, ability to, to better track that. So, um, that's exciting. Yeah. And it's definitely important to think about because right now DSCSA to most people is just a compliance, mm-hmm. another compliance thing in the long list of compliance things. Um, but I think it's important to start looking at what the, the value that can come out of this because, and that's the work we're doing now with, with dispensers is helping them understand what the value is so that they can start to do things like justify capital expense, mm-hmm. you know, for new scanners and new systems. Um, and, and then that essentially gets you compliant, but at the same time builds a framework that you can do all those other exciting things. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, very good. So, Mark, why? How did you get into the the? So, you're a supply chain and logistics guy. What drew you to the healthcare industry, and specifically pharmacy? Yeah, so, I guess <laughs> um, a little bit was you know it was sort of born into healthcare a little bit. Um, you know, my, my, my mother is a uh, registered nurse and retired a few years back. And um, I've got three sisters that are all in the healthcare field. One's a respiratory therapist, nurse practitioner, and a physical therapist. And then I've got a doctor, a brother-in-law who's a doctor who was actually a pharmacist in undergrad and became an osteopathic uh, doctor. So I've had healthcare sort of around me and I've always been the weird supply chain guy in the family. And, <laughs> um, you know, <laughs> as I started having more conversations over the years uh, with, with my family, it's, you realize a lot of the stuff that they struggle with. Um, you know, my one sister calls the patient records, the health, which called the sick care system. She's like, the system itself is sick um, mm-hmm. because, you know, it's, there's mm-hmm. so much, you know, brokenness in it and so much manual, manualness to it. Um, so all those conversations just sort of like a light bulb went off for me working in other industries. I'm going like, you know, this is exactly what happened in the eighties and automotive and the nineties and electronics. And, you know, it just sort of keeps happening in more industries where things are going to more sort of automated, integrated. And then, uh, especially in medicine now where you're getting personalized medicine, um, you know, you're starting to get more to this sort of customer patient focus that, uh, I think is really exciting. So, so all that together kind of led me uh, and around the same time, you know, DSCSA was passed and I had gotten a chance to, to do some work with the client and decided to, uh, to start up my company and really kind of focus on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it's, you know, usually always some kind of personal connection or draw there. Um, so Mark, I love to ask all of my guests, um, what is some advice that you would tell your younger self or for other, I guess, I usually say pharmacists, but others, just others in general um, who are out there and just getting started in their career? I think uh, just be curious and uh, be flexible. I think the amazing thing for me in my career, I think supply chain just sort of is focused on this as being where a lot of the value happens is, you know, just being curious about those things that are sort of connection points and, you know, what's happening uh, in, you know, systems and processes upstream and downstream. And um, you really realize that, you know, I'm probably somebody's customer and somebody's probably my customer. And when you start to understand how those things all fit together, you can actually build a system that is a lot is a lot more optimal hopefully does a lot more for, you know, customer patients here. Um, and uh, it's really exciting stuff because I, that's where the most of the breaks, breakthroughs happen in my experience is just sort of, you know, bridging through those or piercing through those sort of silos that you sometimes see. Mm-hmm, exactly. And, you know, it is, it's so important. I think um, pharmacists, you know, we go to school and there's such an emphasis on the clinical aspect, but, um, you know, operations and process improvement, uh, some of these um, different things that you've kind of hit on are very important skills for pharmacists to know about. And so I hope that our listeners are able to take some of these um, good words of wisdom and look for 
you know, opportunities to better um, improve, um, you know, all these different steps along the way so that we get patients. Um, It's all about, you know, getting the right patient, right drug, the right time, the right dose, and all of the right. So um, getting it in the right way is important. So thank you for sharing some of your wisdom around uh, supply chain issues because um, it is an important topic. So Mark, thank you so much for being a guest on the Talk to Your Pharmacist podcast. No problems. Glad to be here. It's an honor to talk to you today, Hillary. Thank you. For more about pharmacists in leadership, be sure to check out my new book now available as an ebook and paperback on Amazon. Go over to Amazon and search for How Pharmacists Lead, Answers from Women Who Are Leading, Succeeding, and Impacting Pharmacy. And I hope you check it out. And if you liked this episode, please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. It helps us to get in front of more pharmacists and others interested in the pharmacy industry. We really appreciate your support in sharing this content. Thanks for listening to this episode of Talk to Your Pharmacist, produced by the Pharmacy Advisory Group. If you liked this episode, let us know by subscribing to the podcast, rating, and reviewing it. Share it with friends. And if you want to be a guest or know a pharmacist leader who has a great story to tell, connect with me, Hillary Blackburn, on LinkedIn and check out our Facebook page, Pharmacy Advisory Group, for updates on new podcasts. Thanks for listening.